Come on, Calvary, let's stand up on our feet. Here we go. No longer I who live, but Christ in me, for I've been born again. My heart is free, the hope of heaven before me, the grave behind. Hallelujah, you brought me back to life. Forget the moment I heard you call my name out of the grip of darkness into the light of grace, just like Lazarus. Oh, you brought me back to life where there was dead religion, now there is living faith. All of my hope and freedom are found in Jesus' name, just like Lazarus, you brought me back to life. No longer I who live, but Christ in me, for I've been
down, say. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, you are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, you are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, he said, you are mine. He had me, but Jesus said,
everyone just go ahead and lift your hands this morning if you believe that he won't fail he's never failed
stripes, my healing, oh praise King Jesus, glory to God in heaven, your blood still speaking, your love is still reaching, oh praise King Jesus, glory to
give him praise today. A couple years ago, I had the opportunity to go play Pebble Beach, the golf course. And when I was there, the first few holes, I was so enamored with the place that I was afraid to mess anything up. So I wasn't like, I was having a hard time taking a divot or I was so afraid I was going to hit, like Jim Nance lives on the golf course. I was afraid I was going to hit Jim Nance's house. And after a few holes, the caddy was like, um, your friends told me you were a pretty good golfer, but I'm not seeing it. And I said, man, I'm just so nervous. I can't really enjoy the moment. He said, don't, he said, don't worry so much about taking a divot that you don't do what you came here to do. You came here to play golf. It's still just grass and dirt. And some of you came this morning and you're so invested in looking cute that you forgot what you came here to do. And you're so nervous about the crowd, you forgot what you came here to do. And I wanna give us one more opportunity. We're gonna sing about his cross, his freedom. Come on, for us to lift our voice and give him the praise that he deserves. Come on, let's sing it together. Your cross, my freedom. Come on, let's sing it out. is still speaking today. I'm so grateful. He is alive. Come on, before you see it, slap your neighbor high five and tell him Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Wow. Thank you, uh, for your patience as we were trying to find a seat for everybody. Um, there's some people still out in the lobby. Can we make some noise for the folks that are out in the lobby still? Um, how about we make some noise for those who are joining us from home, watching us on the stream this morning. So glad you're with us. And hey, if you're visiting with us for the first time, you're in the room or you're watching us online, we'd love to connect to you. So welcome to Calvary. You can actually text the word 
welcome to the number on the screen, 423-443-4339, and we'll send a digital connect card to you. We love to stay connected, keep you up on everything that's happening around here, especially as we start to build and expand. How many of you uh, realize expansion is necessary? And uh, we're getting ready to expand this way, and then we'll expand that way and add 300, 350 seats in this room with elevated theater seating, and it's going to be an awesome thing, and I'm excited about that. So, and then next Easter, we'll still have a problem getting all of you in here. It's just the way it goes. It's kind of like that field of dreams. If you build it, they'll come. So every time we add seats, y'all just keep coming, and so I'm so grateful, and uh, we're so thankful today to be in God's house. Also, if you want to give uh, generously to what God is doing around here, we really appreciate that. We're so thankful for how generous our church is. I'm so grateful to be a part of a church where generosity and giving is just a part of our culture. It's a part of who we are. It's not something that's forced here. Aren't you thankful for that? And uh, I'm so grateful for that. So if you want to give, you can give online or after the service. There'll be ways you can give buckets on the stage or opportunities to give as you leave. And uh, the reason I'm the MC today is because we're saving time because we've got one more of these to do. And uh, we had an 8.30 service this morning, and I was just tempted to record a video and send it to them. Um, but I showed up. I showed up. Because on Easter, very early in the morning is when they went to the tomb, the Bible says. So anyway, I'm going to feel this later. I know it. But if you have a Bible uh, in the room, would you turn to Luke 24? If not, it's cool. Even if all you have is your phone and a Bible app on that, that's cool. Even if you don't have a Bible app and you have to look it up on the Internet, that's fine. Even if you don't have any of that, you just want to look on the screen. That is also great. But can I say, if you're here in the room today and you have one of those Bibles with the tassel in it, you're a real Christian. And uh, I want to be just like you. I want to be just like you. Luke 24, starting in verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared, Mark tells us that they were going to anoint the body of Jesus, and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. Verse 7 says, The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Verse 8 says, Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, 
What did he do? He wondered, the Bible said. What, in, what on earth has happened here? The next few verses tell us about a couple of disciples who are walking to Emmaus and Jesus appears to them. They cannot recognize who he is. And they are having this difficult time in their grief, understanding what has just happened. And then the Bible says that as Jesus is talking to them, that their hearts are burning. And as he sits and has a meal with them, their eyes are open and they see him for who he is. And then he vanishes. It's amazing to me that in these first few verses of Luke chapter 24, we see Jesus's own disciples, people who he told specifically what was going to happen overwhelmed with so much grief and pain that they couldn't remember what Jesus had told them just days earlier. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We ask that over these next few moments, you would speak a word that would clarify things for us. Help us to see you clear. Help us to remember what you said. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Verse 8. So after the angels remind them and they say, Hey, don't you remember? Jesus from his own mouth with his own words said, The Son of Man must be betrayed. He must be crucified. And in three days he will rise from the dead. And verse 8 reveals what happens to us so often as we have to be reminded. And after we're reminded, the Bible says, And then they remembered his words. See, this is really and truly what the enemy is after in your life. He's not after you, really. He's after his words. He's not coming for you. He's coming for his words. Because his words hold everything together. His words hold you together. Hebrews 1 and 3 says that the Son sustains all things by the power of his word. So my life is literally held together by the word that Christ has spoken to me. I love this because it it helps me remember that even the son doesn't have to be reminded to wake up. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says that God spoke and he said, let there be light. And then on the fourth day, he created the sun and the moon and the stars. And God doesn't have to get up with the sun every morning and say, hey, remember, remember what I said. It's time to wake up. No, the sun is still doing its job to perfection every day because he spoke one word. And he spoke it thousands of years ago, and it is still sustaining life today. Is there anybody thankful that when God speaks a word, it changes everything? And if I can just remember what he said, then it will change everything for me too. Only humanity forgets his words. So the enemy is coming after the word, what he revealed. And this morning we get together because not only are we remembering what he said, we are remembering that he did what he said he would do. I remember because he is alive. And I remember that God always does what God says he is going to do. And I don't know if this is the first time you've been to church in a long time, but the reason you're here is because Easter reminds you. And so if you, if you weren't here for 51 weeks prior, I'm fine. God is actually fine with it. We are glad that you remembered today. 
Come on, somebody. I'm not here to to jump on you because you haven't been to church in a while. I'm here to tell you, thank God that Easter is a reminder. And even if you forgot for 51 weeks, today is that reminder. Hey, listen, this is not any normal day. This is not any normal day. This is a reminder that God is alive, that Jesus was buried three days and he rose from the dead. And if Jesus rose from the dead, that means that anything is possible today. I came to tell you it doesn't matter what you feel like has you bound what you feel like has you in a tomb what death sentence you feel like is over your life Jesus resurrected to declare resurrection life to you I am the resurrection and the life he said he that believes in me though he were dead yet shall he live I remember I remember Life is taking a lot from us. The pandemic in particular has taken a lot from us. But don't forget what he said. Overwhelmed by grief, they had forgotten what he said. That's what grief does to us. That's why the enemy fights you with grief he fights you with sadness he fights you with sorrow God is not upset when you're sad and God is not upset when you grieve God is concerned for you when you grieve like the world grieves without hope and these people are grieving like people who weren't just told a few days prior everything that was going to happen, that I would be alive and well in three days, and still, because they are overwhelmed with grief, pain, and trauma, they can't even remember what he said. They, they look at the tomb and they assume Someone stole Jesus. That's what Mary thinks when she looks at this man near the tomb. The Bible says she looked at Jesus and she saw him. But she thought he was the gardener. And she asked him, hey, sir, if you've taken him, please just tell us where he is. The Bible says that Peter walked into the tomb. He saw the clothes Still there, the burial cloths still there. And he's walking around saying, I wonder what happened in there. That's what trauma, that's what sorrow, that's what grief will do to you. It will cause you to forget that God has already declared a word about your situation. That's why the resurrection must be the fixed focal point of your life. It must be the reference point for everything that happens to me, everything I go through, because I'm not sure about my situation, but I am convinced that he rose from the dead. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I am sure that he is alive. So his resurrection must be the foundation of my faith. Everything that I believe points back to this moment. Paul said, if Jesus isn't alive, then we are of all men most miserable. But he is 
alive so we don't have to stay in our misery. We don't have to stay in our grief. We don't have to stay in our trauma. We don't have to stay in our pain. There is a better word for our life. It's called resurrection. It's the foundation for my faith. The resurrection is an expression of God's ability to orchestrate an impossible recovery in my life. This sentence isn't going to make a whole lot of sense. And I'm going to say it because in a minute it will make sense. Just because it is impossible doesn't mean it isn't possible. You're like, Robbie, what in the world does that even mean? Luke 137, the Bible says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Jesus talking to his disciples in Luke 18, 27, said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Just because men can't do it doesn't mean that I won't do it. (laughs) I love this. I love it. So God gives them a word that was supposed to sustain them and give them joy. They get to the tomb in their grief and in their sorrow. They can't recognize Jesus. They can't remember what he said. But as soon as the angels remind them what he said, the Bible said, then they remembered his words. And in many of the different accounts, they ran back rejoicing, telling everybody he is alive, just like he said. So the enemy, what does he what does he do with the difficult things we go through? It's very clear. The enemy uses our grief, our sorrow, our pain, our suffering. He uses it to make us forget what Jesus has said. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus is giving this parable to his disciples and The Bible says that he's talking about his words and he says his words are like seed. It's like seed that fell on the ground. Some fell into a place where it didn't get any water and so it wasn't able to grow. Some fell in a place where the birds came along and it snatched it up. But There's one spot in particular that I think many of us deal with the most. In Luke chapter 8 verse 7, the Bible says that the seed was planted and the seedling began to grow. But as the seedling grew, so did the thorns. So the seed of God's word starts to produce life. But as it is growing, the thorns are growing with it. And so it reminds me that sometimes in life there can be a place where I receive God's word and I start to believe it and I I start to even see it taking place and taking root and start to produce in my life. But if I'm not careful, the thorns that are 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 close by can come and and choke it out. And the disciples are like, well, Jesus, we don't really understand what you're talking about with these thorns. Jesus said the thorns are the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches is just the pursuit of things and not God. So in other words, what happens to us is life hits us hard, the cares of life. 
And we, we have on the inside of us this desire for more. And instead of more of God, we go after more stuff. And God says that type of life will choke out what I'm trying to do in your life. That type of life is filled with, with a lot of grief, a lot of suffering. Chasing the almighty dollar is not happiness. Chasing, chasing riches is not joy. Because anybody who's ever gotten any of that stuff will tell you the bigger their car got, they didn't really get more joy. They actually got more problems. The bigger the house got, they actually didn't get more joy. They actually got a bigger electric bill. So more stuff does not equal happiness. What equals happiness and joy in your life is more of God. But the enemy uses the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches to choke out power of his words power of his words the blessing comes but man sometimes pain can come with it the the change comes but sometimes difficulty comes with that and so growing with the word are the thorns. And our memory helps us choke out the thorns instead of the thorns choking out the word. Neurologists tell us this. Neurologists tell us that, that over the long term, long term grief, pain, and trauma can disrupt the diverse cognitive domains of memory, decision-making, visuospatial function. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Attention, something I don't have a lot of. Word fluency, and listen to this, and the speed of information processing. Grief can shut you down and make you forget what God has said. I'm starting to realize that if I'll remember his words, then it helps me open up my eyes to see that two things cannot be sovereign at the same time. Either my mistakes are sovereign or God is sovereign. Either my loss is sovereign or God is. Either my sin is or God is, is. Either death is or God is. And so the enemy wants to use your pain to shape you and to inform you. But God wants to use your pain so that you remember what he said before the pain ever started. Grief makes you forget what God said. This is why the enemy uses it to fight you. Grief will make you look at an empty tomb and think that the Savior has been kidnapped instead of resurrected. Grief will have you looking at an empty tomb that's a declaration over your life that he's alive and think that it's all over. But I came to tell somebody this morning that you might be looking at a tomb today, but it speaks one thing to the believer and another thing to those who do not believe. It speaks one thing to the person who remembers what he said and another thing to a person who forgets. And so today we came to declare, we remember what you did. We remember what you said and no amount of pain and no amount of grief and no amount of sorrow and trauma is going to shape our life. He's not been stolen. He's been resurrected. 
cannot allow what you feel to form you. It's okay to feel it, but don't let it form you. I feel a lot of stuff this morning, but I still love God. I, I, I feel a lot of loss, but I'm still going to worship. I feel sometimes betrayed, but I'm still going to trust. And I'm not going to stop loving God because people don't know how to love me correctly. The Bible says that Jesus, while he is dying on the cross and he is suffering at the hands of men, the Bible says that he looks at God and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. The Bible says that even though he's suffering at the hands of man, he still has enough compassion to look at his mom and say, hey, mom, it's going to be okay. The Bible says that even though he's suffering at the hands of thieves and murderers, that he looks at a thief and a murderer and says, today you will be with me in paradise. I just, I wonder if... I wonder if this morning there's some people in the room who would say, you know, I'm not here because my life is void of pain. I'm here today praising God because I refuse to allow my pain to define my life and shape me into what it wants me to be. So I'm praising God anyway. I'm praising God when it doesn't make sense. I'm praising God when everything looks like it's not going to work out. I'm praising God because I remember what he said before I ever found myself in this situation. I remember what he said. I remember what he said. It's easy to understand their grief because everybody they had ever put into a tomb stayed in the tomb. It's easy to understand their pain because anybody they had ever seen beaten like Jesus was beaten, they didn't recover from that. It's easy to understand their grief because there's no way, there's no way any man can recover from that beating, from that shame, from that embarrassment. Did you see how they mocked him, how they put a crown of thorns on his head and they slapped him and they spit on him and they ridiculed him? Did you see how they hung him naked on that cross? Can you imagine the shame and the, the embarrassment? And then did you, did you see the nails? Did you, did you see the spear that went in his side and how he didn't even move that the blood and the water flowed? No way he recovers from that. So when they go to the tomb, their expectation is to see Jesus where they last saw him and how they last saw him. So no wonder they couldn't recognize him because he didn't look beaten and bloody. <laughs> he didn't still have the open wounds. Those open wounds had become scars, but the wounds were not still open. He's in a different condition. One translation tells us that when he came and he showed himself to those two disciples, he showed himself in another form, the Bible says. So, so they could not recognize him because they were still in their mind because of their grief and their pain, their sorrow and the trauma associated with all they had seen. In their mind, their image of Jesus was the beaten man on the cross suffering and dying that they laid in a tomb. 
And so no wonder they expected to see him where they left him and how they left him. But Jesus didn't stay there. The angel said he's not here any longer. And a, a tomb is, is not like a grave. You, you dig dirt out of the ground and you put them in the grave. But a tomb would have been a place that was, that was in a cave, but it was like lower down in the cave. So in order to see in the tomb, you would have had to kind of put your hands on your knees and, and look into the tomb. And I came to tell some of you this morning, you're looking too low. You're looking too low. He's not there any longer. Some of you don't believe that God can do something higher for you. You're looking too low for your life. You still believe that God is, is, is dealing with you according to your mistakes and according to your pain and according to your shame and according to the bad decisions you made in your life. And so you look at your life and you look, there's no reason that God could use me. There's no reason that God could do that in me. I'm not going to ask God for a lot because I don't deserve a God a lot. And I'm telling you this morning you're looking too low he's not there any longer he took your sins to the grave and he buried them there and he rose again so that when he so that when you look at your life and your difficult situation you look at it and you say there is nothing too hard for God there is nothing too hard for God Paul said in first Corinthians 15 he said that Jesus defeated the last enemy death if the last enemy has been defeated, what does that say about your current enemy? Jesus defeated death. So I, I didn't come to ridicule them for not seeing Jesus. I didn't come to mock them because they couldn't figure it out because sometimes I forget. I forget because there's a part of me that thinks that there's no way that I can recover. There's no way I can recover from that shame. There's no, there's no way I can recover from that decision. There's no way that I can recover from that betrayal. But Jesus got up to tell you that if I can recover from that, you can recover from this. He didn't look like what he thought they thought he was going to look like. And I love this because of the resurrection. It means I'm not defined by what I went through. I might have gone through it, but I don't have to look like it. My story isn't defined by my worst moment. So I need you to stop looking for me where you last saw me. Because Jesus has done something in my life. And I need you to stop looking for me in the condition you last saw me in. Because Jesus has done something in my life. The Bible says in Luke 24, it says that they went that day to anoint Jesus. Those ladies went there that day to anoint him. And they get there and he's gone. Mark 16 and 1 says they were going to anoint his body. But what they failed to to remember was that Jesus had already been anointed before he went in. Luke 4 and 18, Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And Mark 14, 8, a woman comes into where Jesus is teaching and 
she breaks open an expensive bottle of perfume and pours it over the head of Jesus. And Jesus says in Mark 14 and 8, he says, she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. This is important for us to realize and remember that the reason Jesus was able to come out is because he was anointed before he went in. And whatever you're anointed to go into, you are also anointed to get out of. And you're like, well, maybe that was just for Jesus. No, the Bible says in 1 John 2 and 27, talking about you and me, that the anointing we have abides within us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 through 22, it says, and it is God who establishes us with Christ. And he has anointed us and he has also put his seal on us and given to us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. A guarantee for what? You're anointed before you ever go in. So I don't have to be afraid of tomorrow because I'm anointed before tomorrow ever gets here. I don't have to be afraid of a report that comes because I'm anointed before the report ever came. And God has already given me a guarantee that whatever you're getting ready to walk into, you are anointed to walk out of. I came to tell somebody this morning that you are coming out. <laughs> Some of you in, in this place today, you struggle in the middle of grief and trauma and pain and suffering because sometimes in the middle you still don't believe that God has already made his mind up about you. And so in the middle your faith becomes connected to your goodness. Well, God will heal me or God will change this or God will fix this or God will bring me out if I'm good enough. God will, he'll, he'll bring me out if I pray hard enough. He'll, he'll deliver me if I go to church enough. He'll, he'll set me free if I give enough. And you forget that before you ever went in, he had already made up his mind about you. You were anointed before you started. You were anointed before the grave. So you're anointed to come right up out of the grave. And I wonder if somebody in this room is a, as a sign that you believe that you're, you're coming out of this. I wonder if anybody in the room would stand up this morning and say, I'm coming out of this. I just need to tell you, neighbor, I, I'm, I'm coming out of this and I'm not gonna look like what I came through and I'm not gonna be where I was when you last saw me. They went looking for a dead man. But Jesus was alive. Sometimes when we think of recovery in the kingdom, we think of it the wrong way. Sometimes we think of it as God is going to resurrect things. And sometimes God resurrects things. But he doesn't always resurrect things. God is truly in the business of resurrecting people. So, recovery doesn't mean you get it back. Recovery means you get you back. 
it, recovery doesn't mean you're always going to get the relationship back or things are going to go back to way, the way that it doesn't always mean you're going to get the job back it doesn't always mean you're going to get the marriage back but just because you lost a job and just because you lost a marriage and just because you lost someone you love and care for doesn't mean you have to lose you it might not recover but you can recover come on let's praise God for that we serve a God the Bible says who always causes us to triumph wow Jesus said you search the scriptures thinking that in them you find life John chapter 5 he said the scriptures testify of me but you refuse to come to me so my challenge for you today is when you read the word we're not just reading the word for information I can't fight with a verse I don't believe I need more than information I need revelation what Bible did Moses read what book of the Bible convinced Abraham you look at the the church in the book of Acts what New Testament did they have to hang on to they didn't all they had was Jesus said in John 14 26 he said when I leave the Holy Spirit's gonna come and the Holy Spirit is gonna remind you of everything that I said to you you need a relationship with the Spirit of God so that the words of God don't fall to the ground but they remain in your life David said I've hidden your word in my heart the Spirit of God come on is the reminder he comes to tell you I know it looks this way but it isn't what it looks like I know it looks like this is the worst moment of your life and everybody's gonna identify you by this moment but this isn't the end of your story I've got something for you the last enemy to be defeated is already defeated death itself so every head bowed every eye closed if you're in this place today and you would say Robbie man I need a relationship with Jesus I feel far from God disconnected from God maybe you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus before or you're in this place today and you did at one point but you feel like you've drifted you feel like you're far away you feel like maybe even your sin has disconnected you from God and you you want to make a decision today that you're going to put your faith in Jesus Christ you're going to make that step towards him and as you as you in faith make a declaration to him you'll realize that he never left you he never even forsook you he never walked away he was always there and so today if that's you you'd say Rob I need to come to God through faith in Jesus Christ whether that's for the first time or you're coming home today I'm going to count to three and when I do I just want you to throw your hand in the air and we're going to pray a prayer and in that moment God is going to supernaturally begin to change your life if that's you one two three throw that hand up high oh my goodness I see you everywhere come on hands up hands up high throw it up high so I can see you I see you awesome hands all over the room entire rows thank you Jesus Come on, church, let's all pray this prayer with those that lifted their hands. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. 
that you gave your life for me. I give you mine. Take all of it. Have your way. Use me for your glory. I repent of my sin. I confess you as Lord. Thank you for saving me. Come on, let's give God some praise today. Hallelujah. What a day. Today is the day of salvation. I'm going to dismiss you. We've got one more service. And my voice is holding up pretty good. I thought I was screaming too much to make it through today, but we're going to make it. If you made that decision today, we'd love to connect with you. You can text the word on the screen. If you're watching online, we'd love to connect to you. Put that word either in the chat or somewhere or text that number. We'd love to connect with you. Thank you for coming to Calvary Church today. Our prayer team will be up front if anybody would like prayer. God bless you. Be safe in the parking lot. Take your time. It's going to be interesting. But you're anointed before you ever go in. So you'll get out. Just be patient.